Welcome to episode 65 of the Versus Node podcast. I'm your host, Eddie Zotto, editor-in-chief of Gamernode.com, and I'm here with Bianca Figueroa Santana, our newest reviewer at Gamernode.com, specializing in board game reviews. Hi, Bianca. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Are you um, excited to save the world? Uh, yeah, I am pretty excited to save the world, or <laughs> die trying. Yeah. Um, dying is something that happens in this game a lot. This is a, it's a pretty popular game, pretty famous game, I guess, in the board gaming world. It takes place in a modern setting, and you're preventing the spread of four deadly diseases across the globe. And if you don't do it, you lose, and you die, and the whole world dies. And everyone is sad, but dead. We're talking about Pandemic. So, <laughs> Pandemic's a game that you've played a lot of, um, so I guess we were just here to, to talk about the game and and uh, what we think of it and, and what we think we should recommend based on our experience with the game. So, tell us in greater detail what the game's about and how, how we play the game. Yeah, definitely. So, For, essentially... Like, the five people who haven't played Pandemic. It. So essentially the board is a map of the world and uh, different cities have the potential to be infected by different viruses. There are four viruses. Um, and you're working cooperatively with your fellow players. Each of you has a role. So for example, someone could be the scientist, um, someone could be the contingency planner, and you're working together in order to create the best strategy to, um, to eradicate the virus. And the virus is represented um, by basically what are called disease cubes of different colors. Um, so you're either trying to remove disease cubes or you're trying to accumulate cards of a certain color that corresponds with the virus in order to find a cure. Okay, so now, so now you said there are all these different roles. Um, that means that everyone has a different special ability to, to break the game rules in, in a particular way. So we have all these variable player powers that work well to, to aid in your strategy and how you approach doing this. Like for example, you mentioned the scientist. Um, the scientist can cure diseases easier than other character roles. They need one fewer card at a research station, which is one of the actions you can take, which we'll get to. Or, or the medic, for example, can um, remove all of the cubes from a city where other characters can only remove one at a time. So you have all these different roles that make everyone have a very special way of, of interacting with the threat, and it gives you sort of a feeling of, of uniqueness, but also importance in the cooperative um, objective that you're trying to, to uh, complete. So why don't we talk about uh, what the game looks like when you put it down on the board. We're, we're essentially looking at a map of the world and a network of cities, like nodes on a, on a net here. Um, and they're all connected via straight lines that you can travel across as your character. Um, you're going to be moving throughout this map in order to do the things that you need to do. So if there's a disease, say, in Madrid, you have to go to Madrid to treat that disease there. And that's how you're preventing the spread from happening. And you're also collecting cards with these city names on them that help you 
move faster around the board maybe by using that type of card to go to that city. So the point is you're, you're moving around the map. Um, you're physically placing a pawn on each city as you go. Just, as a, just so you have like an idea of what we're looking at in the game. Um, and now the actions would be... So there are several actions and uh, you can do up to four actions per turn. So there are movement actions, which means uh, you can move to a city connected by a white line, for example, or a, what's called a direct flight. So you discard a city card to move to the city named on the card. So if I have Chicago, for example, and I'm in Baghdad, I can discard my Chicago card to fly over there. Um, I can do what's called a charter flight, which is very similar, except that I discard the city that matches the city that I'm in. So going back to our example, if I if I'm in Baghdad, I would discard Baghdad, uh, and then I would actually be able to move to any city on the map. Um, and the last one is what's called a shuttle flight, and this is the ability to move from one research station to another research station. Well, we've mentioned research stations twice now. They must be important. <laughs> yeah, so indeed, one of the other actions you can take during your turn is to build a research station. And the reason that you want a research station is because once you accumulate enough cards of a single color, you can only cure it by going to the research station. Um, and to build a research station, you just discard the card that matches the city that you are in. And then you get to place a little resource, resource station uh, cube or shape or whatever you want to call it. Um, house. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, it is a model of a house, much like in the classic game Monopoly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that is what the research station is. And then the other actions in addition to building one of those is to treat a disease. So you can remove one disease cube from the city that you are in. Uh, you can share knowledge. So you can give a city card that matches the city you are in to another player or take a city card that matches the city you are in from another player. Um, but to do this, the other player must be in the city with you unless your roll card, which I suppose we'll talk more about in a minute, allows you to uh, do that more efficiently. And then the last thing you can do is discover a cure. So as we said before... Which is the goal of the game. Right, Yay. exactly. Uh, so as we said before, there are four different viruses uh, represented by different colors, yellow, red, blue, and black. Um, and to cure them, what you need to do is accumulate five cards normally of any color and of that color that corresponds to the virus. So if I have five black cards, for example, I can go to the research station and uh, cure the disease. And that means that when we have to reinfect cities, that uh, virus will no longer be, uh, will no longer spread. Mm. So it's definitely good to discover cures. And you were talking about colored cards um, matching cities and matching the viruses. Um, it should be noted that the board is actually divided up by region in, in colors, so one disease will affect one region. For example, I'm looking at East Asia and, and, and uh, Oceania, Australia, um, and that's all one, that's the red disease, whereas South America and the, the southern half of Africa is all the yellow disease, and all those cities correspond with those colors. Um, so it actually turns out, it's, we're talking about all these cards and how we're throwing them around to use them for all these actions, but the game is designed to be difficult, so these cards actually run out 
fairly quickly if you're not careful with them, if you, don't, if you use them up uh, frivolously. Um, and it should be said, we were talking about the actions. Uh, each player gets four actions, four out of that big list of actions per turn. Um, and then after which, they will draw cards that have the cities on them. Those are called the player cards from the player deck. And that's where you're drawing cards from to see if you're collecting these sets of different colors in order to end up eventually finding the, disease, uh, the cures for the diseases. Followed by a phase, which Bianca had mentioned, which is infecting cities. There's an entirely different deck called the infection deck. And you draw different amounts of cards depending on the, the state of the progression of the global pandemic at that point of the game, which increases as you go on. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the evil deck. That is the evil deck. Uh, and the, the way it'll increase is the player deck, which you generally think of as like the good thing that happens to you after you take your turn. Like you do your actions, then you go through the player deck, and that's like the good happy time. Um, More or less. But it has the epidemic cards in them, which is how that game state advances from, okay, it's easy, we're pulling two infection cards uh, each turn, to, oh my god, now we're pulling an additional infection card. Oh, and now we've hit another, we're pulling an additional infection card. So you can be pulling as many as four cards infecting four different cities every single turn. Like each player's turn, not each round of players. Mm-hmm. Um, so one way to lose is to completely exhaust your supply of cubes that you're putting out on these cities. Um, another way to lose is to burn through the player deck. Another way to lose <laughs> is have too many outbreaks, which we haven't even mentioned. Um, so these other dangerous things that can happen are called outbreaks, and that's when too many cubes are in one city at a time. Right. And what's worse is that these things can actually chain from city to city. Because the way an outbreak happens is if a city with three cubes is infected, three cubes of the same color, it then has an outbreak, and those, that color cube then spills into all connected cities, all adjacent cities. And if those cities also had too many cubes, boom, there's a second outbreak, and now you have a chain reaction, and you're in a world of pain, because that can only happen to you eight times throughout the game. So there are a lot of ways to lose. Um... <laughs> And it really requires a lot of communication to, to plan, you know, to strategize based on the resources that you have in your hand, in your, in your hand of player cards, to decide, oh, who am I going to give these cards to? Because the only way to discover a cure, as we said before, was for a single player to have the correct set of cards in their hand before moving into a research station. So it doesn't help us at all if Bianca has three red cards, I have a red card, Jason has a red card. That's That doesn't help us at all. We all have to gather together and pass those off. And that's sort of the crux of the game. And new players, I think, will tend to find that if they don't manage their cards right, they... they lose the game very quickly and very frustratingly. 
Right, and I think it's important to know that every player based on their role has um, a competitive advantage, so to speak. And Eddie gave one example previously. So if you're the scientist, you need four cards rather than five to cure a disease. So strategically, it makes more sense to try to get the, uh, to try to pass off cards to the scientist. Um, other things that are useful, for example, the quarantine specialist, any city that is attached to the city that the quarantine specialist is in. Um, those cities are protected from any sort of infection that you draw from the infection deck. So if you have a region that is just overburdened uh, by a specific cube or any, uh, maybe, all of the diseases at once, you might decide, oh, the quarantine specialist needs to stay in this region so that we can prevent an outbreak. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So these cards are actually given out at the beginning of the game randomly. Um, I mean, you could do it however you want, but I think it's fun to do it randomly because it lets each player try something new each game. And you kind of just, when you get the card, Basically, that informs your whole gameplay style. Um, if you're the scientist, then basically your job is to get cards from other people. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're the medic, your job is to cure the hell out of diseases if you're trying to win. And the game actually has a difficulty, like a scaling difficulty feature, where you can add additional or fewer of the... Epidemic, epidemic cards. cards to the player deck, or you can you can start with a higher infection rate. Um, so so it's very scalable in terms of difficulty. Uh, you probably want to start on the base difficulty when you're learning the ropes. But as you get much better at managing the deck, managing your abilities, um, planning out your routes and your movements and things like that, then you can bump it up and make it harder and harder, and the challenge remains even after you're kind of a pro. Um, although one thing that I don't like is the deck being a deck of cards. It's an element of randomness, and it can sometimes be stacked in such a way that you're at a really severe disadvantage um, you know, right from the beginning without knowing it, just because those cards are waiting in all the wrong order. Right. And another thing that's very challenging, um, I wouldn't say that I necessarily dislike this because I think it's an integral part of the game, but one thing that can be very frustrating is the infection deck. You very rarely get past the top, I would say, 15 cards because once you're discarding the infection deck, once you pull an epidemic card, you're just reshuffling the discarded pile and putting it on top of the uh, draw deck. Yeah, so um, each game essentially has... A, a region of the world, or well, you can't really say a region because the infection deck is random. The the infection deck lists cities, so you could end up. Maybe it's the infection deck that is the hard part mm -hmm. because if you have that set of cards that you're constantly reshuffling into the top of the deck, and it's all centered in one region, that can be dangerous but more manageable. But if you have those cities all over the place, like at the furthest corners of the world, you're going to struggle to cover that ground as those cards keep landing every time you have uh, an epidemic. So, so the, game, the game has some rough, rough mechanics if, uh, if the cards don't play right. 
But um, like, how do you feel about it overall? Is this a game that you're really into, or is this a game that? Let's let's get your full the full gamut of your opinions about the game. Yeah, because I think um, we really covered just basically everything. It's it, the the rules are simple. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? I think my feelings about the game have really evolved over time. I I remember the first time that you and I played it was just an incredibly frustrating experience. We felt like we couldn't win. Um, and it's funny because when we came back to the game later, we just couldn't figure out what we were doing wrong the first ten times that we played it. Like but, how we had ever lost because we started crushing it. Right. But the first, we, we originally hated the game and I was really frustrated with it and I just said this is, you know, this isn't a fun game to play because you're just inevitably going to lose and there's so few uh, player cards to draw from the player deck that we were just losing uh, by virtue of the fact that we were running out of the player deck. Um, But as I said, the game has really grown on me. I think uh, the learning curve is steep and the figuring out how the different role cards interact is key and yeah. if and if you i don't think that that's something that come na- comes naturally the first second or even third time you play i think you have to play a decent number of times to figure out how to even begin to strategize about yeah. the game uh, you mentioned our, our early play sessions with this game and how it it kind of wasn't that much fun but Interestingly, we could not stop playing. We just really wanted to continue. Um, maybe just the drive to actually win a game, or maybe it was because we could tell that despite the fact that we were getting crushed and it seemed like something was wrong, we knew that there was a really good game within this box. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, because I kept, I kept wanting to come back to it, even when we put it aside for a while and then came back to it later, there was still that urge to come back to this game, because why? Because it was definitely a good game, it just had beaten us at first. Yeah, and I think that's something to be said for people who, you know, love to play games and sometimes, you know, sometimes games can feel almost too easy, the first or second time you play them you just get it and then it's a competition between players and that's really all that's going on. But there's definitely something different about just being defeated by the game itself. Yeah, and actually Pandemic is is kind of one of the games that set off the cooperative board game trend. You know, a lot of games have copied the formula, so to speak. Uh, Matt Leacock himself has made a couple of other simpler games, Forbidden Island and Forbidden Desert, that kind of use similar mechanics where you have a certain number of actions and then the board um, has sort of an artificial intelligence. You know, the game plays itself after you take your turns. And then, of course, the we mentioned fantasy earlier. Uh, we, we played quite a few games of Defenders of the Realm from Eagle Griffin Games, and um, we found we actually found that one to be way less fun than Pandemic due to, uh, even despite liking the theme, on my behalf anyway, I, I really like that theme, and despite getting to roll dice and, and having other quests to do, um, it became 
difficult because of the map being sort of abstract because it's not the world that we live in and know like where cities are so it was always really fiddly to find where you had to put things down um and uh figure out where something was moving from and to and whatever and then collecting cards and getting into battles and then having your enemies that you're fighting have to heal back up um that one that one was We'll probably talk about that another time in a different review, but just as an idea, like, that was another game that kind of directly pulled from the pandemic genre. Essentially, pandemic has created its own style of game, Mm -hmm. not just cooperative games, but the pandemic-style cooperative game. Yeah, so the mechanism and the gameplay was the same, but uh, I think the unique thing about Pandemic is it really, there's a sense of urgency that I think there wasn't in, for example, Defenders of the Realm. Mm -hmm. And it feels more fast-paced. Definitely. And so that's something that's really positive about the game. Um, It's very quick to set up, which is great. You know, just drop the cubes, pull the cards, put the initial cubes in whatever cities you want to start with, and drop everyone in uh, Atlanta and, and have at it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so what do I think? I think it's pretty clear that I have a positive uh, impression of the game and I enjoy playing it. As Eddie said, you can scale up the difficulty by adding more epidemic cards to the player draw deck. Um, And so as you go on, I think it really increases the longevity of your interest in the game and makes it playable, you know, over a a good span of time. You want to come back to it and you want to keep challenging yourself. Um, I will say that there are a few things in addition to the things that we already mentioned that I don't love or am a bit critical of. So one thing that is sort of big for me is that the roll cards, um, some are definitely stronger than others. Yeah, for sure. And if you're doing it randomly and you... In every player, let's say you're playing a three-player game or a two-player game, and each player draws a sort of not particularly useful card, um, then you're just you're just not going to win because you're not going to be able to uh, create a strategy that's going to be effective and fast enough um, to really uh, t- to really make it possible to cure the disease. So. I mean, to give an example, um, the dispatcher, for example, can move any pawn if the owner agrees to any city containing another pawn um, and move another pawn as if it were his or her own, which sounds great. But in reality, if you need to be in a particular city, say, for example, uh, you need to be in Essen, but you can really only get to... um, it has to be in a city with another pawn. So say there's no pawns already in Essen. It's it's going to be useless. The dispatcher can't really send you there. Um, so, yeah, some of the roles are just better than others. And I think that can limit um, just your actual chances from, from the very beginning of winning the game. Mm. There were times, for example, that you and I would draw cards individually and randomly, and we'd just be like, no, we're not going to play with these two cards. Like, we're going to find, we're going to choose one yeah, stronger card, for tough. example. Yeah, in a two-player game, it's really tough. I think the the ideal player count in this is probably four, which yeah. is the max. Um, it's also the most fun, so long as you, you don't have someone who is quarterbacking the game, 
you know, someone who is the alpha player who's trying to tell every single other player what they should do, what they have to do, because his or her strategy is the one that's going to solve the puzzle. Because the game really is, you, you mentioned strategy, and it is really a strategy game, despite the very heavy theme and sort of the the feeling of, of going on this sort of uh, mission and adventure. The, the game is a strategy game. Um, it's essentially a puzzle. It's one big puzzle. Um, you, you don't have all the information because you have the randomness of the infection deck and the player deck, but you can effectively plan around what the odds are for cubes to come out in particular locations and get a sense of what you need to do with what you have in the amount of time that you have based on where you have to protect and cure. So because the game is so strategic and because it's cooperative, it really does run the risk of having one player telling everyone exactly what is the correct way to play. And sometimes that can be not fun, but that's not the game's fault, that's that person's fault. Cough, cough. So one important thing that is very critical to strategy are the event cards, and those are interspersed in the player deck, and they have beneficial effects. So for example, the one quiet night card allows you to skip the next infection step, or uh, a card, for example, that lets you build a research station at any time, anywhere. So those can really be incredibly useful in um, forestalling a lot of very horrible things like multiple epidemics or chain reactions Mm -hmm. and learning to use those as we said strategically and at the right point in the game can really make a difference between winning and losing absolutely and as a group you'll find yourselves talking a lot about whether should i use this now we could look at the top six cards the infection deck and we can make sure that none of the cubes land on istanbul and then we don't have to worry about that for at least two turns and that'll give us time to get you from there over to here and and you'll find yourselves really planning and then someone else will be like oh but wait what if we tried this i have these cards and i could meet you in this city and then you could get those cards and you can go cure that and then the medic can come in and the, <laughs> the cubes are just gone and there there's so many different ways of going about uh solving this puzzle that it becomes a really good exercise in in as we said strategy but puzzle solving and uh it's, it's a lot of fun yeah and i actually think i would rank this highly in terms of cooperative games it's like a mensa mind game <laughs> yeah yeah it is um it is i think and but as i was saying i think of the cooperative games that i've played this one might actually be the best in terms of the degree to which you literally have to communicate Mm -hmm. um, and strategize together yeah communication certainly key um we love it um how about would you would you feel comfortable rating this game on our five point scale yeah You know, I want to give it a five, but I hesitate because there are certain things that really annoy me. Mm -hmm. And one of those things is what I mentioned, uh, the fact that some roles are just objectively worse than others. Um, So I I would give it maybe a 4.5 if I'm allowed to not give a whole number. If you're allowed to not do a a round integer. Exactly. I would give it a 4.5. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what's interesting, though, is that we might be saying that one role is not strong. Someone could be listening and be like, oh, you idiots, That you just don't know how to use them right. Like, That's for example, true. I kind of like the Dispatcher because of their ability to move other players' pawns. Not so much for their ability to shuttle pawns from from one pawn to another, but for the ability to say, I'm the Dispatcher and you're some any other, you're the Medic, I can move your orange pawn one space for one action, two spaces for the second action, as if it was my, your, it's my turn, I'm moving, but I'm moving your pawn. That, so that's really cool. But like, you know, I may think that the contingency planner is terrible, but someone else may be like, oh no, I love using the contingency planner, I could, whatever. So it, it's interesting for us to say that, but I hesitate to be, to have like 100% conviction in saying that one role is absolutely the worst. Yeah, and I think the caveat you mentioned earlier is that I guess that uh, complaint arises from two-person games. Um, Because, yeah, when you have more players, the cards are just going to be more useful. There's more support between players as opposed to two, like, heroic people. Right, Um, exactly. And I think what I'm saying is in a two-person game, there are definitely, you, you have a, you have a the possibility of drawing two cards that just don't work very well together. Um, and then my only other complaint that I also mentioned is I sort of get bored of infecting the same cities every time, and I mm-hmm. sort of get bored of only ever getting to the first 15 cards of the infection deck. And so I do sometimes wish that mechanic were somehow a little bit different so that there could be more diversity in terms of what portion of the board you're using. Because unless you have an epidemic, it won't, the diseases won't necessarily spread from a specific region to another, depending yeah. on what's been drawn in the infection deck. I feel like the idea behind that is that you have this whole deck and you're only using a small chunk, therefore making different plays different experiences because you know you're using these 15 cards this game but you're using a different 15 cards the second game so it makes it feel different and feel fresher and i think that's why we can actually play so many games um and and not be utterly sick of it but within each game Mm -hmm. that's when i feel like i i get exhausted by that recycling. Yeah, I think if there were, for example, instead of, in addition to an epidemic card, there was some card that you draw wild from the bottom or the middle of the deck uh, just randomly. And that is, when you get an epidemic, that is something that happens. But I just, yeah, like you said, I just, within a game, that is frustrating. Unfortunately, we don't do half points anymore at GamerNode. We actually used to work on a 10-point scale down to the 10th so I could rate this a uh, a nine point one if I wanted to. Mm. Um. <laughs> I think you should have. You but know. no, now we're we're on the five point yeah. system. Um, now I guess the 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 simple thing that we've broken it down to is five is a must buy game, four is a recommended game, three is a cautiously recommended game, and so on. Um, and you know we say in our five description that. They're overwhelmingly positive, with negative qualities few and far between, aren't necessarily perfect, and the majority of players are sure to fall in love with them, and everyone should either own or play these games. 
I think everyone should play Pandemic, but I wouldn't necessarily say everyone should buy Pandemic. Yeah. Uh, so it's still, again, it comes between four and five. Yeah, I guess it's closer to a four for me because um, I think I could see people who just wouldn't like it. The theme yeah. is very strong. You know, I like perverse themes. I think yeah, Pandemics I are really cool. And I mean, not cool. That's a, that's a really <laughs> strange word. But um, the notion of Pandemics is just, is just fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that you is so morbid that you feel guilty being interested, intrigued by it. Um, but yeah, I don't know that that's for everyone. And I think there's definitely, I don't know what the age cutoff is. It says 13 plus. I think that's, I think that's probably right. But it's Fair. definitely... It's definitely not a family game if you have younger children. Mm. Um, I think it's just too much to keep track of. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a lot of, uh, well, because it, it is so strategic. It's like a numbers game. It's a statistics game right? in a way. Um, so the description for the four that we're wavering between the four and the five is these are very good games. Players will have plenty of fun with them. They'll be remembered as some of the better games of the era. We can comfortably recommend these games to most people and would include them in our own personal libraries. Go grab them. They're recommended. So that's a four. That's a four. So okay. you're going with a four. I'm going to go with a four. I'll go with a four, too, then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we can be in agreement. And I'm, I've always been our curmudgeon here at, at Gamernode, so I might as well not go high now. Uh, that's yeah, so that's, so that's Pandemic. Great game. Love to play it. Uh, Pandemic Legacy is now out. Uh, came out, I believe, the end of last year. And that is a version of Pandemic where you play the game over the course of what's, what's in the game fiction 12 months. Um, you start in January, you play the game once. If you succeed, you move on. If you fail, you can repeat that month up to two times. I'm, I'm fairly sure it might be one time. And then... After each month, there are permanent effects to the game, to the game board, to the cards. Like, you can rip cards up. You have new options, new new story elements come out. And you play through with the same group of people 12 times or more if you're losing, you know. So a bunch of plays. And that has, has really uh, taken a lot of gamers by storm. So you're saying 12 separate games that build on each other. Twelve separate play se- sessions. Right, exactly. So it's not like twelve months in one game. It's that one play session would be one month. Right, right, right. Each play session represents a month in the game fiction, um, and, and it can be. There's repeated. your favorite instantiation of the game, which is the oh, Pandemic the Cure. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love Pandemic the Cure. I love dice. Um, that's a whole other issue, but we've already reviewed that. I did give that a four. Um, I do think I like it better than the original Pandemic. I, I mean... <coughs> you hate it. I, I strenuously disagree. Yeah. Well, um, I think it has more of a push-your-luck element to it when you're rolling the dice, and it's, it's really stressful in the moment, and it's really tactical in the decisions you're making in the moment, and you don't have to do as much counting and bookkeeping as it relates to the cards and that just generally appeals to me more you know I love the Steffenfeld games where the game world is happening to you and you have to think on your feet and take your actions in order to succeed as best you can in each turn so 
that's mm-hmm. sort of where Pandemic the Cure lies for me, and I love dice. Yeah, you have a strange obsession with dice. Um, but I think the thing that's missing from that game, and, you know, I don't want to delve into it too much because I know you've already reviewed it, but I think the strategy is just well, really... Exactly, it's, yeah. There's very little strategy. You're trading strategy for tactics. Yeah. Yeah, in the, and in this game, there's very little variability. Like you said, there's only the 15 cards. You know what you have to focus on from the beginning when you see what's come out. And the game can't really surprise you as much as Pandemic the Cure can. And you can't have big, sweeping, oh yeah, moments when you're playing Pandemic as you can when you're playing Pandemic the Cure. Mm, I think we'll have to agree to disagree (laughs) on that. But there's also no game board unless you print it out and make it yourself. So that to me is like, I am a visual person. I want to see a map of the world being infected with viruses, Mm. you know? It's true. Otherwise, it's just dice. Okay. But you can print out a a world map. You can find it on Board Game Geek. That's true. Yeah. But not everybody has a giant photo printer like you. True. (laughs) Okay, I think on that note we should... uh, call it a day that's pandemic this has been eddie and zotto and bianca figueroa santana for gamernote.com with our discussion and semi-review of (laughs) our podcast review of pandemic so until next time go check us out gamernote.com follow us at gamernote on twitter and go to facebook.com slash gamernode for more of our news updates which have sort of been relegated to the Facebook front while we're focusing on reviews on the website Mm -hmm. and features. See you next time. Bye. Bye.